What's up, friends? Welcome to Web3 Academy, a place for entrepreneurs, creators, and marketers to explore and learn how to use Web3 to transform business models and create thriving communities. Enjoy this next episode. GM, GM, what's up, friends? Welcome to Web3 Academy. It is the weekly doer spotlight. And this week, we have with us V, or Viara. V, did I say that right? You did say that right. Thank you. Yes, yes. Uh, let me give a brief in- intro, and then I'll let you jump in here, V. Uh, sure. V is the CMO of Late Checkout, uh, which is a community design firm. Uh, and community is at the heart of everything that they do at Late Checkout, which is really why we wanted to bring V onto the show today. Uh, initially, when V joined Late Checkout, I know she led the go-to-market strategy, and we're going to talk a bit today about go-to-market versus go-to-community, uh, what the difference is, and how we think businesses should be thinking about them today. Uh, before Late Checkout, uh, V spent close to three years leading marketing for Element AI, uh, which was acquired by ServiceNow, uh, I believe, during the pandemic. Uh, and um, during her time there, she was part of uh, building out a, an incredible team and part of a team which was recognized uh, by the AI 100, uh, awarded the Turing Prize, uh, and I know your CEO was also featured as one of Fast Company's most creative people. Um, and then before that, just to keep going down V's incredible resume, uh, <laughs> she spent a decade in CPG, uh, where she contributed to working on brand, uh, omni-channel, relaunching digital and international markets, and building and scaling brand communities. Uh, and I, I need to mention, V is also launching a podcast. I don't know if it's, is it out yet, V, or is it coming out soon? It is coming out soon, and, it, and thank okay. you for asking me about that. Okay, awesome. What's We're the gonna, name? We don't need to chat about it yet, but yeah, she is launching. Well, tell us the name. Go ahead. Sure, sure, sure. So the name is, is PO Crypto, and the, the idea is one based around representation. So if you think about uh, marginalized communities, so think of racially moti- uh, racially. Uh, marginalized or otherwise more, uh, marginalized communities, the idea is that there's a lack of representation and that this lack of representation creates a vicious cycle around um, more diverse contributors. Mm-hmm. So the base premise is how can we shine a light on some fantastic people of color within crypto who are really moving Web3 forward with the subjective of creating a virtuous loop around participation. So think about a 17 year, 18, 19 year old who is a person of color, who sees another person of color who's just crushing it in Web3, and who because of that, believes that they can too achieve what is being achieved in front of them. So the idea is really to seed great minds with these fantastic stories of success, because Mm -hmm. representation begets participation. So it's really a podcast about the people of color within crypto or Web3, driving uh, Web3 forward uh, with fantastic projects, protocols, um, products, whatever the case may be, with this objective of creating connections with you know, aspiring participants and established participants and creating some sort of community around that. So that's the, that's the dream. That's the goal. That's that's wonderful. I think we might have to get V to film uh, a little ad for our podcast. You are <laughs> so beautiful with your words. It's amazing. I love, I love that. This is just <laughs> so great. Uh, I also forgot to introduce. Uh, I'm here, Jay, as always, uh, and as well, my co-host Kyle Reedhead. What's up, Kai? What's up, guys? I'm excited to be here. Excited to pick your brain, V. Uh, community mm-hmm. is is top of mind for Jay and I for Web3 Academy right now. Uh, and so we we're just so excited to be able to uh, to be able to pick your brain. Um, so go for it, Jay. Yeah, before I ask you the first question, be just to give our listeners an overview. So today is all about community, as we've mentioned a few times, and particularly community in Web3. And we're going to talk about sort of four different areas of community, community-based products, community-based branding, community-based growth, and community-owned growth. Uh, And we won't dive into each of those yet, but we will get into those uh, throughout the show today. Uh, But to start, uh, we always love to ask all of our guests. It's uh, uh, probably one of our favorite questions is really, how did you start your journey down the Web3 rabbit hole? When did it start? Was there somebody particularly who got you into it? Yes. Uh, 
what was that? What, what's what's that story? So all praise and props goes to to Greg Eisenberg. Um, so when when I joined a late checkout, um, I was put on this project where um, I don't know if I'm gonna get in trouble for this, but I was put on this project, and I I started to research it um, pretty frantically simply because. Um, you want to come prepared for any kind of conversation with, with something to contribute. And it started off fairly um, simply where, you know, you, you have, a, you have a, a client conversation or you have a pitch presentation and you need to get familiar with the, with the body of work within the space. And I was just doing my due diligence and I started to, to, come, up, to come up with a certain amount of resistance, uh, you know what I mean, like intellectually to some of the things I was reading. And I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't think I understand what's being, what's being discussed here. And um, so I started to pick it apart and I still didn't understand. And then I, 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 I kept on going. I think I'm still going. So this was over a year ago, but the, the idea is really, it really is literally falling down a rabbit hole. So one conversation sparked just curiosity. And I've been following my curiosity ever since. But um, the person who made that possible for me was definitely Greg Eisenberg. And what about Web3 sparked something inside you? You know, I, I was reading uh, on Late Checkout about your manifesto. You know, what's, why dedicate your time and your life to Web3? You know, what's, what's your, what's, what's your what's guiding the- light towards it? Yeah, for sure. I think, I think like a lot of people, it's on different levels. So there's definitely the, the intellectual level, um, the part where the ideas are just so interesting. Um, and I think it's so concept rich. And I, I talked about this yesterday a little bit where it's concept rich. So this idea um, that is quite abstract in terms of some of the things that are coming together and the way that it is shared and explained is quite dense. So you need to be committed to understanding. So intellectually, it's very stimulating. Um, I also believe that it's dynamic. So it's ever changing. So it really keeps you on your toes in terms of um, needing to stay abreast of everything that's happening. And then it's also multidisciplinary. So if you think about the technical aspect, the communication aspect, the legal aspect, um, the ethics, the philosophy. Um, there are just so many different parts of of, uh, of the human experience that are intermeshed. Um, I mean, economics, sociopolitical, anthropological. It's just extremely rich in terms in terms of things to keep you excited and and and, and uh, stimulating. I think there's also the personal part. So I'm from East Africa originally. I'm obviously a woman of color. And I think the the promise of what Web, Web3 can offer is extremely exciting. So if you think about a whole new tranche or a whole new opportunity of wealth creation with potentially uh, a broadened spectrum of people invited to participate, that's something I can really get excited about for me, for my children, and, and for people who, who look like me or who feel otherwise like the previous incarnations of what we've seen haven't necessarily invited them to the table. So that to me is very powerful and something that could keep you up at night in terms of you know contributing to something bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for us, very much the, the same draw to Web3, this, this potential for equal opportunity uh, for this unlock of access, um, whether it be and access, I think across so many, as you mentioned, so many different areas and factors of life, you know, access to banking for the 1.5 billion people who currently don't even have access to banking. Uh, definitely. And then, and then the potential to be part of something that is growing so fast and it's just so stimulating. Uh, I know that, yeah, we, we, we get excited every day about the, the potential uh, and where this could go. Um, okay, I'm still so wondering whenever I'm going to come out of the rabbit hole. I feel like I'm still yeah. down. <laughs> still hole, down just like... we're, all, we're all just digging, right? And we're yeah, like, right? <laughs> yeah, and then you, you fall upon these nuggets or like these diamonds as you dig and you just spend some time there and then you, you move around. But it's extremely, um, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but 
I haven't felt like this in years from a professional standpoint where you feel like mm -hmm. you're playing. Um, the only thing I can compare it to is when you're a kid and you're playing. Um, mm -hmm. That sense of like just figuring things out and ooh, that didn't work and that, that was kind of a waste of time or uh, <laughs> all of those things where you suspend judgment and it's really about just the discovery. I haven't felt like that in years from a professional standpoint. I don't, I can't remember the last time I felt that way. Mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like a kid in a sandbox. I completely agree with that. <laughs> yeah. And, and time just disappears. You, you end up, I, I've never, I've never been so excited to spend so much time learning exactly. something. Like it's all I want to do. It's, it's actually, it's actually sometimes problematic. I bought a house recently and I'm trying to renovate it. And I'm like, I'm like literally like trying to find spare time to sand my deck so I can paint it. But at the same time, I'm like listening to a podcast and trying to figure out Web3. A hundred percent. And I think um, the other part that we talk about, uh, I think we're all passionate about is, is doing it with friends. So this idea of being able to um, share your learnings and even challenge your learnings with a community of like-minded people is extremely stimulating for a couple of reasons. I think one is definitely uh, the shared the shared learning, but also the challenge, the challenge that comes with, with people potentially not having the exact specific same ideas as you and coming out of that conversation enlightened about, you know, new mm -hmm. different, uh, different ways of doing things. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's how we all learn, right? Like you, you, you hear it and then you try it and then you discuss it again and then you come back to it. Um, so yeah, I think the, the, the pure aspect of, of Web3, the community aspect of Web3 is extremely enriching. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's, I think, one of the most interesting things about community Web3 is like when you get into communities and you meet people, and Jay and I are lucky we get to talk to people every week on this podcast, when you ask their Web3 story or why they're in this, like so many people have such a different reason of why they're in here. And it's like, mm -hmm. how many problems is Web3 aiming to solve right now? It's just, it's incredible what it's trying to do. And there's so many people that are all in this space for so many different reasons, but like, we're all kind of like banding together. And I think that's what makes this community so interesting and so cool, um, yeah. which I think is a great transition into getting into discussing community. But to me, that's just like one of my favorite things about Web3. Uh, so I just wanted to add that in there. <laughs> so before we, we pulled necessarily on the thread of community and Web3, I just want to talk and stop and talk about community as sort of a concept first and a concept particularly within business uh so v why, why is community so important for businesses why should businesses be spending time thinking about community why does it matter what does it allow them to do uh mm -hmm. that mark marketing might not allow them to do or other other focuses might not i think uh, one of the I'll start with the challenges. One of the challenges of community is return on investment. So mm -hmm. like a lot of activities, um, I don't believe we figured out what the right measure for community mm -hmm. is. And I think we're looking in the wrong spots. That's a whole other conversation. So I would say that first and foremost, at the moment, what community needs is belief and conviction at the highest level. So whoever is in charge of the endeavor, needs to be deeply committed to community um, because the conviction will feed the kind of virtuous circle or cycle that you need around growing community when you don't have the return on investment traditional metrics that people are looking at or looking for when evaluating um, a business activity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that hinder that kind of short term lens hinders the long term effort that community building needs mm -hmm. um there are definitely community builders that i look at and uh and um am inspired by i think about david spinks over at cmx or x cmx i think about uh rosie sherry um i think about rafa the builder i think about all of these fantastic thinkers around community and what it means and i believe we've not figured out the right way to evaluate community and mm -hmm. therefore that to me is one of the biggest hurdles for a business to invest in it if you're not able to put it on a slide and talk it through <laughs> uh at the board level you, you that slide's not going to make it in and you're not going to mm -hmm. be important and you're not going to be invested in it creates this vicious cycle so i would say first and foremost 
if the highest instance of whatever business you're a part of does not believe very deeply that community is what it's all about, I think you're set up to fail. Mm -hmm. so that would be my first thing. Um, and thereafter, I would say, if you have that kind of environment to be able to play around what community means, I think the opportunity is limitless. Um, mm -hmm. Because the opportunity is, if we think in traditional business terms, of a highly engaged super consumer mm -hmm. who's going to drive down, again, very traditional business terms, but who's going to drive down your retention costs and who's going to drive down your acquisition costs because of the virtuous cycle they're creating with word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And who's going to lower your service costs because they're going to do part of the customer service job of speaking to other people who are interested in what you're doing. And they're going to do it in a completely objective, almost third party way. They have no vested interest. They are not of the company to be speaking about your product in the way that they are, a product, service, whatever the case may be around what, what it is that you're selling. Um, and then there's all of the things that uh, can't be captured, but think about content creation as a whole, the amount of content creation that can come from a community that is invested, uh, it's unbelievable. And then if we're thinking about Web3 opportunities, the ability to financialize or to monetize community is really unlocked. So mm -hmm. if you think about um, doing the right work with your community, meaning aligning what it is that you want to do with what it is that they want to achieve. And you are really able to come together and, and again, you know, have a shared vision and mission that you're able to enable this community to, to achieve. If you're able, if you give them the tools to achieve their goal, they will literally um, buy the product. So the idea is, driving down acquisition costs, driving mm -hmm. down service costs, creating significant retention. Um, and I would say true, it's true loyalty versus re um, retention, but also then you're able to monetize the community with product and services. Mm -hmm. So what are the events? Uh, what is the content they wanna consume? What are the products that they need? How can you help them achieve their goals? And then you can build on top of this very invested potential community if you do everything right mm -hmm. from the beginning if with their best interests at heart mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and with a means to to really just connect them through your product is ultimately what you're doing mm -hmm. yeah I, I really like the concept of community is the new moat right this if your community provides, and you mentioned so many ways that they provide it, they provide this, um, almost this, this bubble around your business where they're feeding information and feedback back in and helping you learn and grow and giving it to you, as you said, in a completely objective way. But then they're also, they're pushing your message out and, 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 being these these voices for you that is so authentic that yeah. you, is difficult to achieve in the traditional marketing sense or through a marketing strategy. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think um, the methods or the flywheel or the um, the analogies that we need to bring are also uh, different. So. What is, the, what is the perspective we need to bring to truly understand the value of community is probably something we, we need to think about. So mm -hmm. traditionally we think, um, and this is something I wanted to talk to you guys about, and this is the, the experimentation part. So if you think about the marketing funnel traditionally, this kind of mm -hmm. V-shaped funnel, or if you think about the flywheel or uh, that uh, Reforge talks about, I don't know that that's the same shape in web three, because it's much more of an hourglass, right? Like it's, mm -hmm. so you start out with this awareness, this interest, and you consume, and it's definitely that first funnel, but then it fans back out because 
then it becomes this community. And I think up until very recently, we did retention, but did we really go into community experience, like this continuous onboarding of an existing community. And that's why I think it's the shape is much more of of an hourglass versus a funnel or a cycle. So I don't know what you guys think about that, but I I think that that's that's the shape. That's a great analogy because after retention, which is usually what you see, now it's almost like they become owner, right? Like if, if, if you're using Web3, if you're using some sort of token or an NFT or whatever, it's like they become owner. They also become sort of incentivized potentially. So it's like there's community and maybe owners after that. I don't know. Um, and, and yeah, absolutely. I can see that as like your customers, once you have them through that funnel, they become the next entry point for the funnel because they're, as you said, word of mouth, bringing in all the next people. And, yeah. and I think it's even like it's almost on steroids in Web3 because you give them that ownership or that equity or that whatever, like that, um, that ownership inside that community. And so they're even more incentivized than they would be in the kind of the web two world. So I love mm-hmm. that hourglass idea. That's, that's great. It's genius. Yeah. Jay, I don't know if you think that as well, but I think that's the thing, right? So, I mean, if you think about the way that we did it traditionally, we'd stop kind of at loyalty and then we or at retention rather, and we'd flip back mm-hmm. into acquisition. And if you think about your traditional kind of budget, conversations that's Mm -hmm. usually where the money goes right and that's usually the least place the the last place where you want to cut so if we're thinking about in terms of business terms that is where the focus is that is where the money goes was always at the beginning of the journey the acquisition the growth because of the dynamics that we know uh in terms of the of of the businesses and the the markets Mm -hmm. we, we evolved but if you think about that now and you say well this new layer is ownership well, that changes the relationship you have with this consumer slash owner. Um, all of a sudden, your lens needs to include a much broader life cycle than from aware to um, acquired. You need to go all the mm-hmm. way through community, all the way through re-engagement. So mm-hmm. that is going to change the shape of the relationship, but also the shape of the marketeer. And we started chatting about that before. And I saw you guys uh, had a had a good exchange, and you got some kudos from from uh, from the CEO of of uh, Lens Protocol, uh, mm-hmm. Stanny, right? Stanny, yeah, Stanny from yeah. Lens and in, in Ave, yeah, Ave. Um, and it was an interesting thing where throughout my career, and I've heard this, and many marketers have heard this. You know, there you, you get challenged around the relevancy of marketing. Why are you mm-hmm. even here? What is it that you're contributing? And I think most of us have, uh, in some way, shape or form, have had to explain why we deserve a seat at the table and everybody needs to be able to explain why they're, why they have a seat at the table. So I think when I saw his tweet and he was saying, you know, there's no need for marketing in web three or something like that. I think if we, if we pull out of the, um, the attack of the marketer versus marketing. So he talked about marketing. He didn't talk about marketers. So it's an idea. He's talking about this idea. Mm -hmm. I think if we pull back and we ask ourselves the question, I think that it's a very valid question. What does marketing look like? And is it called marketing in Web3? Mm. Um, because if you look to the traditional definition of marketing, it's really connecting audiences to products. This through line, the community part, wasn't necessarily part of the definition. So is it called marketing in Web3? I don't know. What do you guys think? I'd love to... I'd love to- <laughs> So this was, yeah, it was, um, he tweeted this out, I think it was like a couple of days ago. And I read that. I was like, wait, what? There's no marketing web three. What's he talking about? And my response was basically like, there is marketing in everything, everything you do, yeah. right? It's not just about marketing a product or a brand. It's mm-hmm. like, I market myself every single day, right? Like mm-hmm. I walk into the grocery store, I sit, go into an Uber and I'm marketing who I am to every single person that I meet. And I don't even know yeah. why I just, it's, it's kind of what we do. I think as humans, um, yeah. and, and so like, I don't know. I, I do hear a lot of people talk about how marketing and I think what they really mean maybe is advertising is gone in web three. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, because what is, is it gone? or is it just I, I don't not- think so. I think mar- advertising becomes even better in web three, to be honest. Um, but mm-hmm. that's for a whole nother rabbit hole. Um, but to me, I just think um, 
you market every time you do, like even as a community, let's say you want to get, we hosted an event for our community um, yesterday. It was on Monday night. Mm -hmm. And we want to get a bunch of people there to talk and have a conversation about Web3. We were talking with about tokenomics and governance. How do you get people to that community call? Well, you market mm -hmm. that call, right? I wasn't marketing a product, but I was marketing an event. And it's like, right. every time I ever do like, this podcast, we're going to release this after. Again, it's not a product, but I'm going to go and market people to come and listen to you, V, because mm -hmm. you're sharing all this amazing information. And so it's like, everything I do is marketing. And so to say it doesn't exist in Web3 to me was just kind of like, I was kind of shocked. <laughs> Agreed. Well, as, what about you? As, as, I think especially because growth is difficult. It's it's two different skill sets that we usually see in business. There is builders and um, visionaries, creators who can who can, who can build something that can, you know, there's nothing here. And then all of a sudden there's a product or there's an idea or there's an event or something like that. But then getting people to buy that thing or show up to that thing or engage with that thing is, is, is a completely different skill set. Hmm. And yeah, I, I think it's, it's interesting. I would, I don't know how, I think also just because a lot of the conversations I've had recently, uh, particularly in the past month, have been around, hey, I've got this great Web3 project. How do I get eyeballs on it? <laughs> right? So I think I'm having so many marketing. And obviously, that's because that's the role I play. And that's those are the types of people that are coming to, to me. But it seems, yeah, it seems I don't, I don't understand how you in some way you need to tell your story and then you need to attract attention towards your story. Yeah. Uh, and especially in the beginning when you're first starting, unless, I don't know, I guess, unless you're like completely, this gets into, and I don't even know if we want to go down this thread, but this decentralized versus centralized. And so many times in this podcast, we've talked about, I think we came into web three with this vision of like, everything should be decentralized. And then we quickly realized, and we realized this through many of the guests that we had on this podcast, pure decentralization is not pro productive. It is actually chaotic. And most of the most successful decentralized Web3 protocols or tools out there actually started centralized and then move towards decentralization, right? So I don't know, I guess like, could you, the only way I could see it working where you wouldn't have marketing would be if it was completely decentralized and you just had, you know, enough people from the beginning in your community that all really wanted the same thing and Perfect all were capable of telling the exact same story and nobody needed yeah. to be told what the brand was or what the narrative was like that just, I don't know. Here's what seems... happens when you don't have good marketing. Ethereum, which is, I mean, the most successful smart contract platform, most of Web3 is built on top of it. It has the best product market fit and it's been decentralized all the way through pretty much. But when you talk to anyone, I was just on a call with a client and like he was trying to explain something about Ethereum. He didn't really understand it. And I was like, Ethereum needs marketing <laughs> because everyone's <laughs> thoughts about Ethereum is because it's so complex, right? That everyone's thoughts are just yes, something completely is. different. No one really knows what's going on. And so like at some point, it's like you kind of need it, especially when it gets as complex as something like a smart contract platform. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, isn't that the role that Bankless plays? <laughs> Bankless is basically <laughs> Ethereum's yeah. marketing engine. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna edit that out, but uh, <laughs> but a hundred percent. I think I think this idea of of sharing concepts with people in a way that is digestible and for them to understand is definitely one part of marketing. Um, but I do believe the shape of the competencies that the traditional marketer has will be challenged because mm -hmm. the way that we've been brought up. Uh, as you as you noted, uh, Jay is this this very growth oriented focus, which creates um, an acquisition fly flywheel for sure, and it creates the kind of skills that we saw develop in Web 2.5, whatever we want to call it, definitely in the DDC space. But this community based marketer will need to de develop and will need to be supported by a whole new set of tools, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, but even what are the right frameworks, systems of thinking, analogies, when you start to think about community marketing? Um, 
is it about onboarding is it about retention is it about loyalty is it about um you know is it about the how much of of total value every single community member is going to be um um based upon like what is the unit value or unit mm -hmm. member of the community member over an audience member so once we start to bring in kind of the economic lens whatever whatever the metrics are i think we need to we need to think deeply about what they are and to come up with a system to be able to evaluate them if we want to have a constructive conversation and i think it's wonderful that we're doing it at the same time as everybody else is figuring their shit out where <laughs> you know what i mean so it's it's this idea yeah. of saying, you know what the skill sets will be different and it's it's fantastic to be able to to work with and to collaborate with a fantastic community managers or even people in the cx space so customer success space i think have a have an, a unique opportunity to uh, to leave a really deep imprint on what this community marketer is going to look like you said a great term that i haven't heard before i don't think is community-based marketer uh, yeah. What, what is that? Like, tell me, like, what is what does that person do? And maybe we don't know just, yet. Is kind of what you're saying is we're not I really sure what that, that is. Up. Yeah, yeah. I think so. <laughs> um, so Greg has this really great uh, reference where he talks about community-based products, and and in the way of late checkout, community-based products are are one of two things. Community is the product, or community enhances the product. And I love that definition because it starts with a certain amount of specificity saying, you know, it's not an infinite type of, of, of product. There's really two. If it doesn't fall within these two, then it's not a community-based product. Um, and the community is the product means that the thing that you are building is ultimately a community. So if I think about uh, Web3 Academy, at least in its present form, what you are building or what Jeff is building at Jump or what they're building over at Radar or all these other great mm -hmm. gals is first and foremost is fantastic community experience. Mm -hmm. And then there's how community enhances the product. So if we think about most protocols, community enhances the product. There is a technical product that exists, but it's the community enhances the product experience. Um, and so how do you build community for these products is going to be the job of the community-based marketer. Mm -hmm. And the thing that we're going to be doing will likely be called community-based growth. And the way that we do that right now is pretty fragmented. It's, a, it's across mostly web, web two tools. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's a huge amount of opportunity, obviously with tokens, um, unlocking that last that last step but if you think about it the idea is that you know there's a couple of challenges in the, in the way that we're doing things right now um i think mostly at two spots at the discovery spot so how do you discover the projects that you want to be a part of or that are likely to connect with you seems to be an enigma mm -hmm. um, and it's mostly through podcasts like this one that people will discover things that they're interested in, blog posts that are not indexed and not SEO optimized, uh, long form content by thought leaders that are somewhat obscure and not indexed again. So there's definitely a challenge at the discovery, the discovery stage. Um, we use mostly Twitter to, to find out about and to stay abreast of what is happening. We use curated lists. So it's a really unscalable process of just a lot of very dedicated people making sure that they don't uh, miss out on super important information at the awareness level um, and discovery part of the journey. Mm -hmm. I think once you're part of a community, the onboarding is another point. So what is the streamlined onboarding? How do you ensure that there is utility past that initial point of friction? What are the kinds of, I mean, we're seeing the resurgence of events, whether they're online or offline, but what a wonderful way for events to come back. Um, I think also for um, billboards to come back, I think if we think back last year, NFT NYC and like Times Square being taken over, I mean, mm -hmm. how long had it been that, you know, uh, out of home hadn't had its moment uh, like it mm -hmm. had in the last little while. So there's a lot of opportunity to create this bridge between IRL and URL. Um, but again, these are these are kinds of a hodgepodge of tactics. There's no playbook yet. 
And then as you pull into the medium to long-term experience, what does that long-term roadmap look like in terms of continuing to keep your community engaged and re-engaged throughout multiple cycles and seasons? And what does offboarding look like? We see it, uh, commu there's community churn. There's a wonderful article that was written last week around the need for communities to be able to churn because you change, mm -hmm. you change and the community that you were part of will maybe not be the community you wanna be part of forever. And therefore, how do you start to manage churn, offboarding, et cetera, and kind of onboarding new members? So this whole new life cycle will bring about you know, new ways of thinking, new paradigms, new analogies, new frameworks, mm -hmm. and also new skills. So I think the community-based marketer is today probably much more of a tinkerer because they'll be called upon kind of playing around with a lot of things that are a little bit janky, but I think they're going to be the first generation, similarly to what happened, let's say, in 2012 with growth hackers, that first generation of, of professionals who start to connect the dots uh, between you know top of funnel and mid funnel awareness and deep long term focused loyalty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think uh, what's really interesting to me is this: if I'm a business leader and I'm using the term community based marketer, and I'm thinking about okay, who does that within my organization? Naturally, especially because it has the word marketer in it, uh, I think a lot of businesses are putting it under marketing and. I'm curious, is that how you would recommend that people do it? Would you put it under marketing? We talked a lot about the struggles of the um, measurements for success of community, and I'm not necessarily pulling on that thread, but I think the way, at least the way I think about it is marketing is all about, you know, all about extracting value. Right. I'm pushing you through this funnel in order to extract value to say so you buy my product, right? Or you advocate for my product or you stick right. around and continue to buy. Um, but community is different than that, right? If, if, if community was just based upon value extraction, then uh, community, we wouldn't have communities very much. Be. We'd be human, humans wouldn't exist anymore. <laughs> we'd, be, we'd be obsolete. So, you know, whereas, so I, you know, I think community is more based on value creation. So, mm -hmm. So if you're if if you're talking to a business or there's somebody on the podcast listening, you know how do you tell them to think differently about how should they be thinking about about community? Where does it fit within their business? What is how do they ensure there's a strategy around that? I think um, I think that it really is going to depend, um, but I don't think that it needs to be a marketer. I don't think so. I think it can definitely be a community leader. And I think marketing could sit under community. Communications could sit under community. Um, I think it could also be people who are in the consumer success space. So everyone who's like customer success or customer experience, mm -hmm. fantastic candidates. Anyone who is thinking about long-term building with a customer, with a customer advocate or a customer uh, of, of the brand, I think could be a really great candidate. So we're thinking HR, HR people could be perfect for this as well is what I'm thinking of. <laughs> really? I think that there's definitely an HR slash culture part of the conversation. Right. Uh, culture is definitely in there, but I don't know that the, that we're there yet in terms of org. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I don't, I don't know that we're there in terms of org, especially if we're thinking about community community owned and decentralized organizations do they have an org is this a department or is this a set of expertise around a squad hmm. uh, that delivers value to the community i think it probably the structure probably needs to evolve to support the strategy and the vision and the mission um and so that could take multiple multiple shapes, I believe. I think the, the traditional org is probably going to be very challenged to think mm -hmm. about how to embrace community. The, I've got a question for you. When, when you think of marketing, it's fairly easy to come up with like a framework of like your, I don't know, go-to marketing strategy. It's like pretty easy to come up with a few different strategies when you talk to a business. Um, I don't think that that's very easy when it comes to community. So when you think about, I don't know, maybe a client comes to you and says, okay, we want to build a community 
what's your, do you have a framework? Do you have a strategy? Like when, when you're thinking about building a community, what are the things you're thinking of? And like, how does this, I don't know, walk me through whatever your thoughts are. Cause I think this is very challenging. I think for, for especially marketers. Right. Um, so I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are on that. Um, so full disclosure, this is going to be me riffing, me riffing live with you. So, so <laughs> back. Um, I believe that there are a couple of phases. So this is a belief. So, so bear with me. If you have no community at all, um, it's one approach. And I think if you have a budding community or a good audience, it's a different one. So if you have a budding community, let's say an audience, let's say you're very active on social, your challenge or your opportunity lies in converting your audience into a community. Mm. Um, and then that uh, that is something that there's not a million ways to do it, but I mean, it's fairly straightforward. It is, you know, how do you bring them onto an owned platform? And I mean, you guys have done this fantastically well where you create a funnel whereby this audience becomes part of uh, some sort of communication channel that is owned where you're able to manage the relationship. Uh, if you're able to create utility, I think that audience becomes a type of community member. I wouldn't say the most engaged, but definitely a community member more on the audience side than community side. If then you're able to foster meaningful conversations within that community, you start to create engagement. And as soon as there are relationships inside of the community, meaning if you, Kyle and I start to jam inside of whatever platform that we're a part of and create value together, I think you create stickiness. So we we all want to belong and when you find your people it is extremely sticky so if you start to meet up every day and have meaningful conversations and i start to look forward to seeing you in telegram group or in discord and whatever platform and saying hey jay hey kyle how, how are you guys doing today and we have a fun exchange and we, we work on a project together that creates a significant amount of value for me and stickiness i think if if you have no audience at all um, and you're looking to build a community, it takes on a different shape. And I would still recommend you start with audience because ultimately you want to ensure that whatever it is that you are proposing creates value. And without an audience, it's very difficult to test. Um, so, so that would be my, my recommendation would be, you know, audience building, creating utility, that utility drives community, that community drives value, that value can then be monetized through products, services, etc. And then it pushes out another arm of content. So this idea of creating that kind of flywheel, I think is, is extremely interesting. And, and it also, I love that, by the way, thank you. And it also creates that moat, which is what Jay talked about, um, you know, earlier in this episode, which has stuck with me this whole time, because one of the things with Web3 is because everything's open, right, and decentralized, the, the thing that was the moat back, well, still is today in Web2 anyways, like you think of Instagram, for example, once you have some followers in there, and you have an account, that's the moat, right? Like you can't just go somewhere else, right? And so that's kind of how tech has been built for a long time is that your tech is that moat, but we're about to open everything. Everything's going to be completely open and you can move in and out um, seamlessly. And so that moat is gone. And so I think that really made me see like, oh, and Web3 community actually is everything because it is the moat, right? And you just kind of yeah. gave that framework of how you get there. And once they're there, you said it's sticky. They want to come back because they can easily go elsewhere in this world once everything becomes open. So community really is that moat, that thing that keeps you there. Um, Literally yeah, is really basic fun. of like belonging. So, you know, on mm -hmm. a fundamental human level, we all want to find our people. And if you're able to help me do that, especially now where there's such a space for people to, there is a space for communities in a way that didn't exist before. And I say that because of, you know, family ties aren't as important as they used to be. Religion, at least for a lot of people, mm -hmm. isn't as important as it used to be. 
social engagement and civics aren't as important as they used to be institutions mm. of neighborhoods so there's all of this space for other types of communities to provide you with that value of that sense of, of being part of something um, and i think online communities do that for a lot of people especially if the things that we are discussing are really important and near and dear to us um, and we're able to do it in a way that we never could before I'm sure this is something that resonates with you, this idea or this, this, this thought of being able to jam with somebody who is at the complete opposite end of the world is something that really excites me very, yeah. like, very profoundly, that I can communicate, exchange, and have deep, meaningful conversations with somebody that I've never met is something that really excites me, and that I can create trust with someone whose name I don't know. These are all things that I took for granted and all of a sudden are being flipped on their head. And I'm like, wow, I never thought I could trust somebody who's completely pseudonymous. I can because I feel that I know them, even though I don't know their name. I don't even know their real name. I just <laughs> jam with them. I've been jamming with them for two months on a Discord server. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that, um, that are really up for interpretation uh, that I find extremely, ex extremely interesting. Particularly in the current geopolitical media narrative world that we live in where there is a lack of trust mm -hmm. and we are constantly faced with fear. There's yeah. just, there's never been so much fear. There's never been so much stress. It feels like mental health is at an all time high to, I mean, I say this all the time, Kyle and I say this all the time. We have in our agency, we have a team of 10 people all around the world, and two of them, one is Russian and one is Ukrainian, but both were living in Russia when the war broke out. And I can't tell you what it was like to experience and talk to them about that versus read it on the news, right? There's nothing that the news could have taught me that I couldn't have learned directly from them. And that is... Yeah, there's just something so powerful about the humanity of that, that I think is so important coming back to what we started at the beginning, you know, what problems is Web3 going to solve? I mean, is it going to solve them all? Uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, the lack of trust and fear is a big problem that I think if we build more of these communities, it really can answer that. So one thing I want, I want to chat about is what V and you can take this two different ways, maybe. What are the, the sort of the features of Web3 that you really think enable communities to be built in a way that wasn't possible before? Uh, and, and maybe along the same line, is there any examples you have of mm -hmm. communities that you're a part of uh, or, or that you know of that you, you've seen using Web3 tools in, in great ways? Sure. So I think if we use the definition that the um, Web3 definition of read, write, and own. So I will ask you to take that as the baseline. That ownership part is completely new. So if we say that the ownership part is mostly tokens, so the way that whether it's NFTs or or, 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 or other tokens, that part of that part of the relationship is is completely new. So what that means is. I think tokenization, tokenomics, um, everything around, around that aspect of trying to figure out the relationship between the community and the token, which is the financial aspect or the financial evaluation of the community is a very interesting thing to be looking at. I don't think that existed in Web2. So this idea of, of looking at a token as the analog for community um, starts to be an extremely interesting thing to look at. I think if we pull out, it could also be very scary. So the scary part is, are we financializing completely everything? Mm -hmm. But like with everything, we'll probably go too far one direction and then pull back. <laughs> um, but but I think that, the, that this idea of own, which to me translates into this idea of tokens, creates a parallel between community and financial, um, financial kind of uh, uh, financialized value of what this community is, creates an interesting tension. Um, 
And the, the communities that I see this, that I see using this well, I'm really interested in what service DAOs become. So we think about, um, if we think about service DAOs as um, communities of professionals who are able to uh, create demand for services that they are, let's say they create a token uh, and this token has a total value locked of x they as a community have a sense of what of what they are worth collectively and um, they start to create value based on that now let's say they start to create a certain amount of liquidity around around this value and this token now has an indexed value um, and they start to create services for this for this service DAO that sustains that economic cycle. Um, I'm not part of any communities that are like that, but I look at um, I look at uh, developer DAO, and I'm really interested in how they how they are growing and how quickly they're growing. Um, because again, economic empowerment is something I'm extremely excited to see Web three help help develop, and by creating these platforms that are um, accessible more people can uh, start to get access to and be part of a economic empowerment tool that gives them access not just to um, jobs but also ultimately skills so skills first jobs later so this idea of you know having a very specific service that you are participating in the ecosystem for developing that service, creating demand for it, uh, creating a token around it and inviting people to participate in its economy, I think is a really interesting thing to be, to be a part of. I've never seen anything like that before. Um, and I'm excited to see, and I probably have a ton of this wrong, but I'm excited to see where we take that. Um, uh, yeah. And, and so this idea of being not just a participant, but also an owner. So let's say you are, uh, you know how difficult it is if you are a young graduate to get that first job. So imagine if you can reduce the friction of that first job because you're part of mm -hmm. the DAO. And because you're part of this DAO and because you have a certain amount of credentialed capabilities, we're able to put you in contact with companies who are looking for you know, um, beginner level or entry level, entry level, whatever job it is that you do. And because of that, we're reducing that friction, we're reducing that tension that you feel when you graduate and you don't really know what you're going into by giving you a community of people who are going to help you transition. We're going to make sure that the capabilities and competencies that you have on chain are recognized. And we are potentially connecting you to your first employer through a bounty or whatever the case may be. So all of a sudden you are onboarded into your professional life in a way that is uh, extremely uh, productive, but also gives you so much. So we talked about, you know, give, like, what is the value created? The value created there is, is immense. You're completely reducing this fear of adulthood and to and yeah. make much more of a collaborative community oriented and focused experience. So that I'm very excited about. There's two things I want to say. One, I just want to mention quickly is it amazes me how much humility there is in Web3. And there's so much humility in what you said a moment ago, which was, I'm probably getting a lot of this wrong. Mm -hmm. And I'm constantly blown away by every person we have on the podcast. Last week, we had uh, Sam Andrew, who's a blockchain researcher on the podcast. So you know, completely different. He comes from a finance background. He's not a, he's not a marketer, completely different background than you. And he said, I don't know, flat out on the podcast. We asked him a question. He was just like, I don't know. Uh, and it's, it's amazing. It's, it comes up again and again, there's so much humility in the space of web three. And I think it really, that's what I think allows communities to grow is you need people to sit around and say, yeah, I totally lost. I don't know. Because then you can help each other out and then you can, mm -hmm. you can figure it out together. So thank you for that. That's, that was wonderful. It's like, we all, we all know something big is happening here with all mm. of these things. We just don't know exactly what that is. <laughs> That's what we're all trying to figure out together. But for me, the, the on, on chain credentialing, 
um, I think is extremely powerful. So, yeah. so this idea of, so let's say we, we talked about the beginning of your career, but think about all the times in your life that you're going to need upskilling. <clears throat> you're going to need constant upskilling if the rate of change continues in any way, shape or form like it has now. So this idea of, of, of being a part of a community that allows you to consistently and constantly update and upskill um, creates longevity for you, like from a from a career standpoint. Um, but it also creates again this 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 community around you who's going to be there to cheer you on as you, you know, embark on the next credential and 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 so on and so forth. And also connects you to an ecosystem of potential employers um, who can who can help you achieve your goals. So, on chain credentialing, I think is is super interesting. Tokens, I think, is very powerful. Um, but I think at the end of the day is making the world a little bit less scary with with community, like having people around you who make the world just a a, a less hostile place. Um, yeah. <laughs> because because people around you that care about you and that and that root that are yeah. rooting you on. Yeah, because not everyone lives in Canada like we do, where everyone's your best friend and just says sorry every exactly. other word. <laughs> but I mean, it's tough, right? I mean, everybody lives through setbacks, and if you are able to, you know, connect with somebody who makes who makes that day that moment a little bit less tough, that's that's yeah. a blessing. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we wrap up here, yeah. um, I just want to any predictions future of web three future of communities uh anything uh where you think this is going in a year and five years and ten years one thing i'm really excited to think about is uh older adults in web three um <laughs> i haven't even thought there big... yet <laughs> Pardon? i said i haven't even thought about that yet the ux is, is just so far off but i'm really interested to hear what you're about to say so please go on <laughs> If you think about um, if you think about the amount of people who will come into a significant amount of I mean disposable income and, and who will have a lot of free time, um, mm -hmm. how can how can we enable this cohort of people to participate meaningfully in Web three? These are all going to be people. Let's say they are um, technologically advanced and proficient. They are going to be technically savvy. They are going to have had exciting careers in whatever shape uh, or form that takes. Who, um, how can we ensure that um, that they become ambassadors for for you know things around healthcare and your and healthcare things around uh, education things around reskilling and upskilling and potentially part time work. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's definitely a conversation around audiences that I find interesting. Mm -hmm. So when will Web three speak to? older adults and you know what's being done in the space there i think education is extremely interesting mm -hmm. um i think what we're seeing around social graphs with lens specifically is very powerful um but then there's so many other things so um i was i was talking to somebody uh fig at uh, mirage and he's you know he's developing uh ar nfts um i was talking mm -hmm. to ralph around decentralized labels so there's all kinds of projects and programs that are mixing and matching the technological aspect to um, a social or creative one that i find extremely interesting like this this idea of, of meshing um less siloed thinking i find extremely mm -hmm. interesting so applying some of the economic models to cultural businesses i find really really interesting um, and then I think around uh, things around, you know, onboarding this new generation of contemporary art enthusiasts. Mm -hmm. I don't think that there would be so much um, digital art being produced if there wasn't a whole new generation of collectors. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, what is the education for collectors going to be? What, is, what are some of the collector DAOs that we're going to see pop up to help people understand, appreciate, evaluate and trade art? similarly to what we see with the contemporary space. So these are just a couple of things that I'm thinking about that find really exciting. So much. <laughs> just just a few, just a few. Yeah. We're clearly gonna yeah. have to get you back on for a yeah. part two I at some want. point in the future. Yeah, um, okay, quick 
little speed round, a couple quick questions for you. And then uh, would love to give you the floor and opportunity to give your shill. Uh, Kai, I'm sorry that we're running slightly past the hour here. I'm, right. we'll, we'll get, we'll get there as quick as we can. No um, so, okay. Speed round. Uh, first favorite person to follow on Twitter. Ooh, just one. <laughs> um, I really love Rafa the Builder. Um, I find extremely insightful, um, really thoughtful, fantastic follow. Awesome. Okay. Uh, one Web3 project you're following or excited about could be NFT, DAO, protocol, anything within Web3? Um, well, there's the one I just talked to you guys about. There's two. So there's meta labels that I think is extremely interesting. I think uh, chaos is very interesting. I, I can't do just one. It's, it's not possible. I think protocol <laughs> is very interesting. Um, but also, I will say, and it's um, somebody in the community, Shreyas, who, who, who really ticked this box in my head, is everything around ENS, the Ethereum mm -hmm. name service. I think, I think there's tons there, and I need to like block a day to just go deep, deep, deep into it. But, but I think ENS is, is extremely interesting, and we're probably not even understanding everything that we can, we can do with it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I love it. Um, something you've purchased recently for under $100 that has brought you joy. It does not have to be a web three thing. It could be, could be anything. Under $100. Ooh, well, was it under $100? I just, I just um, put myself on the what is that called when you buy a book before it becomes a book? It's the Matthew Ball book, the Metaverse. Oh, book. the Metaverse one, nice. Uh, oh, the pre yeah. the pre sale list or whatever. Pre I want to do that whatever. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we should we should if you guys buy the book, we should definitely have a book club, like a book club around that. Yes, I think that's I'm so in. Listeners, yeah. if you uh, we'll put the link to his. Uh, when does it come out? It's like June or July. I think it might be July. It's soon. It's soon. Um, I want to say June, but. But that was like, I would, that was an instant, like no brainer, 100% right. Yeah. Matthew Ball is the, is like one of the biggest names in the metaverse and not in the metaverse, but like talking about the metaverse and he started like an ETF on the metaverse, et cetera. Um, yeah. He's super, super knowledgeable in this and he's got a book coming out soon. Uh, and uh, V and myself are definitely going to have it and we are going to read it and we're going to start a book club. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of thing you need a book club for. I mean, you'd be like, yeah. what? I didn't understand that reference. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> um, before, uh, before wrapping up, just V want to give you a chance to, we talked a little bit about your new podcast and uh, give you a chance to tell our followers, our listeners, where they can find you, where they can reach out to you, anything uh, you want to promote, please give your show. 100%. So you can find me on Twitter at Viara. So that's at V-Y-A-R-A. -A. Um, the podcast is going to be launching sometime in late summer, early fall. The uh, name is P.O. Crypto, the play on words is people of color of crypto. And we say that very broadly, meaning people of marginalized, racialized communities. Um, and the idea here is to give a place um, to talk about success stories of people of color moving Web3 forward with the projects, protocols, and uh, things that they're doing in the space that are, that, are driving, that are driving the space forward, generally speaking, with a focus on um, creating just that representation that allows a young mind or somebody who would be thinking about joining a protocol, joining a project, seeing somebody that looks like them or sounds like them or whose circumstances sound like theirs and be excited to participate in Web3. So that's going to be at POC Crypto. That's P-0-C-R-Y-P-T-O on Twitter. I think I said that right. And uh, right now I'm just kind of squatting the the handle until I've <laughs> fantastic this has been wonderful thank you so much for the time uh, v i mean wow i can't wait for part two a hundred percent and i want to thank you both for for inviting me 
this has been so much fun. I'm, I've, I've used this to, to also learn and um, I can't wait to see what else you guys do. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, V. Have a wonderful day. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy. We hope this helps you along your Web3 journey. If it does, please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. By the way, if you have yet to join the Discord community, you are missing out. This is where all the magic happens. This is where we learn, where we ask questions, where we network. Uh, you want to be in there. The link to join is in the description below. And finally, a quick disclaimer. Nothing in this podcast was financial advice. Crypto and Web3 can be risky. You can literally lose it all. In fact, if you invest on account of what we say, you probably will lose it all. So don't do that. In all honesty, the point of this podcast is to remove the noise of markets and price and focus on utility and implementation anyway. So you should not take any of this as financial advice. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.